Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 34, and I'm going to start at verse 1. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah. Across from Jericho, there the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Nephtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. God buried him in Moab, in the valley of opposite Beth Peor but to this day no one knows where his grave is I'm going to read verse number six one last time he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor but to this day no one knows where his grave is and all of God's people said amen you could be seated in the presence of the Lord discern my spirit even if you don't understand my title and we'll conclude with the title but if you will repeat this after me shout I thank God for Sally Port all right oftentimes uh, my sons or students in ministry will have their group texts going around when it's time for me to preach to try to figure out what part of the Bible I'm going to come from. And it wasn't until they told me that, Bishop, you are an Old Testament preacher. It's like the probability of you preaching from the Old Testament text is more heavy than from you preaching from the New Testament. Well, told them I won't argue with you. First of all, the Old Testament, uh, what we consider Old Testament is most of the Bible, 39 books, right? 27 in in the New Testament. And uh, when I went to school, I was an English major, so there are narratives, uh, literary narratives with strong protagonists and antagonists in the Old Testament, you know, in the books of history. But if I should love any part of the Old Testament, I would have to say it's the Torah. Those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, I know what some people would say. Why are we reading Old Testament? We're in the New Covenant. There is is no need for us to be studying the Old Testament, but I beg to differ. I look to you that you don't even have a true understanding of the New Testament without the foundation of the old. 
for example, if you go straight to the Gospels, you will find there's a woman that has an issue of blood. For how long? Twelve long years. She has this issue of blood. And, and, and we poetically and dramatically demonstrate through our preaching how she said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she did it, and she was healed. Well, un until you know the Leviticus text, you don't understand that her walking in a crowd itself is illegal. Because if you have a blood issue, you can't be around people. So it paints a different picture when the Bible says she pressed her way. Because she wasn't just pressing her way through people. She was pressing her way through laws, through boundaries, through limitations. And she says, if I could just touch the, the hem. See, if you interpret that scripture from our modern day and look back at the days of Jesus, you have a whole different understanding. But if you go to the Old Testament and then look toward her experience, you see something different. Because we interpret that the hem of his garment and automatically you that are, that are, uh, that are alteration people and, and you that make clothes and like clothes, when we say hem, you automatically think pants. As a matter of fact, we use scriptures often in the Old Testament to tell sisters you can't wear pants. Because the Bible says for women not to wear anything pertaining to a man. The only challenge with that is when that scripture was written, there were no pants. We translate it as him, but the true meaning was not the hem of his garment, but the fringes of his garment. And, and what are the fringes? The fringes is a Hebrew word called tzitz. The corners of his garment. The fringes. Something that every Jewish man would have had. Because the fringes were connected to his tzitz. Somebody shout, get back in the Old Testament. Until you lay a foundation, you ain't got nothing to build on. And so every Jewish man would cover himself in his prayer shawl or his tallit. And every tallit had zazit or fringes on it. Somebody said, what's the point of that? Well then, I don't know what her literary ability was. But Malachi tells us, bring ye all the tithes and offering into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house herewith, said the Lord of hosts. If I would not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive. I am the Lord and I change not. So we know that scripture in Malachi. But that's another awkward scripture in Malachi in chapter 4. It says that the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. That when Messiah would come, he would have healing in his wings. 
and the woman with the issue of blood says, if I could just touch mm, the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If you don't know the Old Testament, New Testament don't make sense to you. <laughs> because if God is all powerful, and he is, why didn't he just forgive us without Jesus dying on the cross? Did he have to die? If you don't understand the Old Testament, it wouldn't make sense that Yeshua would have to shed blood to forgive us. But you got to see that in Genesis, glory be to God, huh, when Adam failed, he found himself naked and he had covered himself with leaves. Glory be to God. The only challenge with covering yourself with with the leaf is that once you disconnect it from its source, it's, it's called an inappropriate covering. Hmm. And so the Bible says Elohim came in the garden and covered him with skin. And in order for him to cover Adam with skin, that means something had to die. My God. God, my God. And then Cain, hallelujah, out of jealousy killed Abel. And how did God find out that Cain killed Abel? Because God says Abel's blood was talking. And if Abel's blood could talk to God, how much more, my God, could the blood of Jesus speak on our behalf? In other words, the Old Testament established a truth that without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sins. Now, some of you won't celebrate this, but I'm going to throw this out here. It's just a question. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, but what can make me whole again? Push somebody tell them, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. He said it. Y'all celebrate that you got a title. Celebrate that you got a house. Celebrate that you got a car. But if you're going to celebrate anything, you need to celebrate the fact that your name I wish I had a blood washed church in here that got a revelation that it took the blood. <laughs> so, so I believe we need to dive back into the covenant that causes this covenant to make sense. I believe we need to know the book of Leviticus. Glory be to God. Those random offerings and, and descriptions because although we don't have to keep those offerings, those offerings and those sacrifices communicates to us the holiness of God. Because, hallelujah, if God had forgiven us without sacrifice, it would have compromised his holiness. And because no man had pure blood, glory be to God, that God, hallelujah, spoke, hallelujah, over Adam and Eve, glory be to God. He declared that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Hallelujah. It was a word, hallelujah. It was a word. It was, it was a word that hit the womb of Mary. 
and went down through generations and hit the loins of Abraham that stirred up the womb of Sarah glory be to God and came down through 14 generations and hit the womb of a Mary my God to the point what she was carrying according to the Eastern Church they call it a Theotokos some people call her the Christotokos in other words she's the mother of Christ but the Eastern Church says she's the Theotokos she's the mother of God in other words she was carrying God and God was carrying her at the same time he was enough God to save and enough man to die my God he had holy blood he had holy he had when we plead the blood we're pleading holy blood let me move because I don't want to bore y'all with that crazy stuff yeah. and so tonight I'm in the Torah and most Bible scholars will say that the Torah or these first five books or what some called the Pentateuch was written or authored by Moses. The only challenge with us claiming that Moses wrote it is because even tonight's text that's in the Torah is writing about the death of Moses. And the Torah starts in Genesis that talks about life before Moses. So how then could Moses be the author? And we call it the law of Moses. Well, some said it was Moses' experience with God that gave him revelation. Mm. That when Moses says, Lord, if I'm going to serve you, yeah, glory. talk to me, preachers. If I'm, going, if I'm going to lead your people, show me your glory. Hey, glory. And I'm preaching to a Thomas generation in here. And you say, yeah, I heard this and I heard that, but I need to see something. I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I believe. But every once in a while, I need to see something. Y'all said he can open blind eyes. I want to see it. See, some people are good for a religious experience, but I want a God experience. It's okay to say, God, if you're real, hallelujah. It's all right every once in a while to put a fleece out in front of him. Show me your glory. I want to serve you. Hallelujah. I want to preach this gospel, but I need to see something. He said, show me. And listen what God said to Moses. I know what you're asking me for, but you can't handle it. But what I want you to do is to get over there in that rock. If you get in position... I'll let you see the backside of me. Woo. Pull on somebody, tell them, just get in position. See, some of you are missing glory because you're not postured to see it. Glory be to God. He says, but if you get in the rock, by God, just get in position. I'll let my glory pass by you. And that's why some biblical scholar says, when God walked past Moses, 
Moses not only saw the backside of God, but when he saw the backside of God, he saw the backside of time. And so when he saw the backside of God, he was able to say, in the beginning, my God, God created the heaven and earth. My question is, if Moses was able to write Genesis, seeing the backside of God, how much more will he show you when you start seeking his face? Screaming somebody tell them revelation is coming. You've had a lot of questions. Some of you said why this, why that? But without the assistance of music, I want you to praise God because your next season is called understanding. Your next season is called revelation. There's going to be a divine download. Because some of you went through a season that didn't make sense. But I come to tell you, he's going to answer your questions. And I need one more praise. Because if he don't answer your questions, he's going to settle your spirit. Because you're going to be in the glory. You're going to be in the glory. You're going to be in the glory. Moses. A humble leader. A committed. Y'all be seated. Y'all be seated. A committed leader. Someone God could trust. I know you can trust God. But have you gotten to the place where God can trust you? Because trusting God. Is when God leads you into a circumstance. Please don't do this to me while I'm up here. Please don't. <laughs> when God gives you an assignment and He lures you into the assignment, and then after He lures you into the assignment, He makes it hard for you to do the assignment. I know, see. Some of y'all are like, what you, what you saying? I'm talking about Jeremiah chapter 20 when he said, God, you have deceived me. God did all of that stuff to convince Moses to go to Egypt. Come on, Moses. I can't talk. I got Aaron for you. Come on, Moses. Go. I'll be with you, Moses. I'm going to deliver with you, Moses. I'm going to stand. I've been giving you a rod, Moses. And then God sends Moses to Pharaoh. And the Bible says he runs ahead of Moses and gets to Pharaoh and contaminates Pharaoh's heart. So when Moses gets there, Pharaoh will say no. And he had to trust God when it seemed like God was working against him. Anybody in this room, you've had to trust God because you got lured in with a prophecy and dropped off into a process that looks nothing like what God said. And he's too holy to be deceitful, but I'm wondering. I'm wondering, not is God wrong, did I miss it? You haven't worshipped God until you worshipped him with questions. Look at y'all. Some of y'all too super religious in here. You, can't, you haven't worshipped God until you stood by the casket and praised God by the body of a person that God could have healed and he chose not to. When he will let a sinner recover and a saint die, it'll mess with your faith. Don't y'all look at me like it will mess with your faith. God made it hard. Tell your neighbor, God made it hard for me. Who do you rebuke when God is behind it? 
Moses had to trust God. He had one test after another. It was a journey, y'all. One test after the other. Glory be to God. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I didn't get a perfect score, but I did pass. Shama. I didn't do everything right. No. Sometime I was mad and I wanted to cuss. There were times I said, forget the church people. Come on. There were times I won't perfect in my assignment. But send word down or tell them you pass, you pass. The mere fact that you showed up to revival tonight, that's got to count for something. Because some of you went through enough hell in 2023 that some other people would have walked away from church and they would have walked away from God. Oh, but I'm telling you, it's something called an attendance grade. And that means even if you got a low score, showing up can curb your score. I need you to touch three people and tell them, at least I showed up. That's got to count for something. Sometime I had to drag myself in. People have no idea how many times you pulled up in the parking lot and sat in the car. And you had to coach yourself to go in your own house. You had to coach yourself to go into the company. Coach yourself to go in the ministry. How many times did you fantasize putting your rags in the back seat of your car and getting in the highway and just drive and stop and start over somewhere else where nobody knows your name. I didn't mean to get that intimate. Moses. Moses. Because you have to realize Moses' life has been traumatic since the beginning. Y'all be seated, be seated, be seated. Moses' life has been traumatic since the beginning. Some of us in this room, nothing ever came easy for us. And people saw you because Moses is growing up in the palace. But Moses is living in a seeming contradiction. Because he's living in the palace, but understanding his identity as a Hebrew and watching people that he can't help. Never really being able to fit in. Too spiritual for the ratchet people. But not religious enough for the church people. And anytime you try to pull yourself up, try to build up your self-esteem, then people who should be happy for you, they say, oh, you think you all that. You think you, you have no idea how many insecurities I have to fight just to put this outfit on. I'm not saying you have no, people are jealous of you and they don't know your struggle. This is not a new outfit. This is an outfit I've had for five years. All I did was put new accessories with it. So Moses have, has an identity issue. And when he finally gets to a place where he has created some sort of normality for himself. And this is where I will retire. And this is where I will be normal. Then God disrupts him. Sends him on an assignment. 
makes it hard for him. And now he's in a wilderness, a suspended place, a suspended place, uh, a place Jesus calls Eli Eli Sabachthani, <laughs> a God forsaking place where you're not on the ground, but you're not ascended either. You in the in between. I'm just going to stop right here and just preach to the 50 mil. I just need a storefront church of people who understand what it is to live in between. It's not that I'm not grateful. It's not that I'm not thankful for where God has me. This just ain't what he promised. My God. And I don't know whether to unpack, hallelujah, or keep my stuff in the boxes. I don't know if this is a safe place or whether I need to keep my guard up. It's an in-between. This is not what I went to school for. It's in-between. This ain't the house that I believe God for. It's an in-between. Now I got to live in-between. And it will be one thing if it was about me. But I can deal with my own uh, psychotic episodes. But what happens when you got to carry the weight of everybody else? And and you're the one that's always helping. And you're the one that's always being blamed. You can say yes to everything. But the one time you say I'm not able. And the one time you said no. They act like you have never been there for them. Now I'm carrying a people who's murmuring and complaining. And they're not blaming God. They blaming me. I want you to look at the person beside you. Tell them you can't take everything personal. Come on, tell them. Tell them they really want to fight God. They just can't touch him. So they'll touch his representative. They'll touch the person who's been consistent. They'll touch the person who's always showing up for them. And they will say stuff to you like, nobody's there for me. They thirsty. Moses talks to God and gets them water. They hungry. Moses talks to God and gives them manna. But anytime it gets challenging, my God, they said, you brought us out here to die. And this is why I'm telling you all, the hour we're living in, when you find some real ride or dies, Will you find people who will fight for you in the trenches? See, y'all, y'all get mesmerized by people who show up when you start winning. I, I pay attention to the people who shrouded it out with me when I'm struggling. You got to thank God for the people who shook your hand and you opened up your hand and it was $20 in your hand. You got to thank God for the people who helped you without posting it. You got to thank God for the people who knew your secrets and told nobody. 
I want you to run over to somebody who's had your back in hard times and tell them I got your back for real tell them thank you for fighting for me thank you for praying for me without interviewing me thank you for covering me when I was left exposed to the enemy run over to somebody tell them thank you for fighting for me because this is the challenge and I'm going to expedite this. I'm past the time that I set for myself. Thank you, Bishop, for being nice. See, this is what some people don't understand. I'm writing a book right now called The Drowning Lifeguard. I need all the people who fight for everybody else. Now, all the leeches, y'all sit this one out. All the lazy people, you sit this one out. All the narcissistic individuals, you sit this one out. But all the people who are all the one, but everyone depends on you. I want you to have a real moment. Tell the person beside to tell them it gets lonely. Now, I, I, now hold on. Now it's, it's, this is problematic because some of you murmured, murmured this statement. And you do not give the person beside you eye contact. And I want, you to, I want to free you up because that person is either related to you or you're married to them. So I want to say to a married person, don't take that personal. Because there are some things I carry that you can't help me carry. Uh, because everyone who's called to you is not called to your burden. So all they can do is pray that you carry it well. And sometimes it's frustrating to be encouraged by somebody who don't understand the weight of your assignment. When people say, I can't believe you down. Get up. You ain't got to deal with this. No, you don't know what I got to deal with. Until you have to carry my assignment, just pray for me. It gets lonely. You can be in a crowd of people and still feel by yourself. Moses is with a crowd and by himself because the people are fickle. They're up and down. And all he's doing, he's trying to survive the middle. I want you to look at somebody and tell them, I'm just trying to survive the middle. See, that's why some of you don't understand why some of us shout the way we shout. Some of us, if we didn't have a praise, we would have lost our mind. You hear me? As a matter of fact, I praise God because I didn't have a breakdown. I had a mini breakdown, but I didn't have a whole break. Oh. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some of us couldn't afford a whole breakdown because somebody got to work and pay the bills. Too many people depending on me. So I had a whole crying spell and then I wiped my face and went in the house and said, good morning. How are you guys doing? Because I couldn't afford a whole breakdown. And then you tell me, you can talk to me, but the truth is, you can't handle it. If I really told you the demons I had to fight, you wouldn't be able to handle it. If I really told you some of the things that people have done against me, and I'm still speaking to them, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Because you love me so much, you would have snatched the weave out of somebody's head by now. 
but God did this to me. I can't hate them if I wanted to. God did this to me. Scream at somebody, tell them, and you still got to serve them. Hey, uh-oh, uh-oh, I felt some tension right there. Look at somebody, ask them, did you hear what I said? And you still got to serve them. Sometimes you may have to throw them the food, but you still got to serve them. Still got to feed them. It's lonely, Moses, because there are more people who can handle your secrets. There are more people you can, you can handle their secrets, but they can handle yours. More can confide in you that you can't confide in them. And so after 40 years, after 40 years, the number 40 is indicative of the end of a cycle. If you look a little closer to that 40-year period, they really weren't wandering in circles for 40 years. If you look a little closer, and Bible scholars, I want you to you can email me, look over it. If you look a little closer, two years they were really wandering in circles. They were still in the wilderness for 40 years, but 38 of those years, they were in a place called Kadesh Barnea. Is why the Bible always says they were always a couple of days away. Kadesh Barnea. So maybe some people haven't been wandering the whole period, but mostly stuck. See, it's one thing to be wandering because you can give the room chance to breathe and you get to change your scenery. But what happens when you're stuck? To be so close but still yet so far at the same time. And this is why we will understand that there was a lame man by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years stuck. You got to have the old to understand the new. I need you to tell somebody, God is moving you out of stuck. I'm talking about somebody who feel like you've been in the same place. I'm declaring to you, if you praise him now in the next 15 seconds, he going to shift your spiritual address. As a matter of fact, some of you, he going to shift your physical address. You've been feeling there are three people that need an address change. I need you to take off running right now because I feel a shift. Run to three people, tell them you've been stuck long enough. God is moving me. Get your boxes, it's time to pack. I've been stuck long enough. Stuck emotionally, stuck mentally, stuck spiritually. Y'all be seated. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. I'm going to pray over this oil and water. I need you to pull on somebody or tell them, I'm moving now. I'm moving. I'm moving now. I'm moving. I'm tired of looking at the same stuff. I'm tired of looking at the same people. I'm tired of going through the same thing. I'm moving now. I'm moving. 
Somebody type on the screen. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. Hear me. Will y'all be seated? Y'all standing up like you're expecting to move. Sure y'all ready because it's gonna happen just like that I ain't holding on to nothing i don't care if i have to leave the furniture that's in the house right now i'm believing god for something new Y'all get up under him, come on. One, two, three. Uh, why y'all act like that? Why y'all act like that? Why, why do some of you only dance if it's your prophecy? Why you act like that? See, I'm from the country. The Gilbert family. Well, we had hogs. And the people down the street, they had hogs. Miss Christine them. And when it's time for us to kill hogs, they would come down and help us kill hogs. And they may even share some of the hog meat or shoulder or some sausage. So when it was time for them to kill hogs, it's all in the same season. Somebody said, what you talking about? My point is, if somebody in your section start dancing, why are you looking at them? If God is blessing them, that means God is in the neighborhood. That means it's only a matter of time. What's happening down that road is coming down. So much so have y'all interrupted me get it out sister get it out get it out god just moved you out of stuck go ahead and praise him go ahead go ahead go ahead Stop. The oil is about to blow again. 
after being stuck for 40 years. God said, I'm now bringing you into your promise. They said, come on, y'all, let's go. And then the Lord says, Moses, come here. Man. Yes, sir. I want you to look at, look at it. You did good. You brought them to this place. But uh, Moses, uh, not going to let you go in. Moses was not sick or feeble. I remove the ideology that you got to die of something. As a matter of fact, I'm going to boldly declare in this room that there will be no premature death. That a heart attack is not your portion. Cancer is not your inheritance. That when, when your assignment is complete, and that the Lord should tarry, that you'll be able to sleep in him. And so, Moses goes up and he dies. And he dies. And, and the question in, in, in black culture is, anytime somebody dies is, Y'all, let me finish the sermon. Y'all be seated, please. Who got the body? Don't we ask that? Who got the... Oh, uh-uh. They don't do makeup good over there. Because my uncle, his eyes won't even close all the way. If you ask the Israelites who got Moses' body... They're going to say, God's got the body. He gave them a chance to, to grieve, but not an opportunity to view. Whoa. Whoa. 30 days of mourning, but I'm not going to let you have this body. Now, how cruel does that seem? They have been with Moses for over 40 years and you're not going to allow them the opportunity to stand around his gravesite. But you have to realize the Israelites have been in Egypt for over 400 years. They had learned the ways of the Egyptians. And what do the Egyptians do to their leaders when they die? They deify them. They worship them. And some of you in this room, you are still worshiping the past. You're still worshiping former administrations. You would act like God ain't moved since Bishop so-and-so is living it. But I still believe that the best of the church is not behind us. 
but the best of the church is in front of us. Tell your neighbor, God's got the body because he won't let you drag Moses' body around the wilderness. He's not letting you take Moses' body into the promise because of opportunity where you should be celebrating, you'll still be idolizing what was and not what is. God's got the body. Moses, my sermon is dead. See, the cha- this is the challenge. Because when it's something bad, it's easy to let go of it. It's right to honor what was. But you don't have to die where it died. Uh-oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Oh, tell your neighbor you don't have to die where it died you went through the divorce but it didn't kill you you lost a family member but you can't live in the cemetery let God have the body what was is no more what was is no more and if you read the book of Jude if you read the book of Jude the Bible says God had to bear it because the devil came looking for Moses' body. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, God's got the body because the devil wants the body. Now, 50 of you are going to get this revelation very quickly. The rest of you will watch it on YouTube and you will replay it a few times. God says, I will bury the past so the devil can't dig it back up. The devil want to use your past as a trophy. I said the devil, somebody needs to open up their mouth because Pharaoh's army is drowned in the... For the Egyptians you saw today, you were seen forever, forever. I need somebody to shout because God buried your past. God buried your past. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As far as the east. Find me another time. Because I don't want that back. Hey, run to somebody tell them I don't want it back. Let the dead bury the dead. I don't want to keep talking about it. If it didn't kill me, I don't have to keep rehearsing it. God buried Moses. So the devil couldn't dig it up. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to close this now but I'm going to give you only 10 seconds and I want you to think about it I want you to think about it all you super spiritual people I want you to think about it I want you to think about a mistake you've made since you've been saved I know you don't go too deep but right now I want you to praise God for what the church people don't know about the sea of the because if it would have all hit the fan 
it really wouldn't, it really would have been bad. So every once in a while, you ought to just roll in the floor and let people wonder. Somebody shout, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. It's under the blood, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. I wouldn't be preaching in nobody's church. I wouldn't be singing in nobody's choir. He said, but though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash you. Why did it snow? I'm finished now. I'm finished now. I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm forgiven. God wants us to notice in the revival because some of us, what we call humility is really condemnation. Oh, I don't need, uh, as long as I'm just saved. No, you want the promise. You just don't feel like you're good enough for it. That David says, my sins are forever in front of me. That when I would stand up and hold my head up, it's always something to tap me on my shoulder and say, don't be too confident. The enemy is faking. He's acting like he got the body. That's a wax figure. God got the real body. And I come to tell somebody it ain't coming back up. And for somebody, if it do come back up, it ain't going to have no power. Hey! Somebody shout, it's behind me. So, uh, I've been, as I prepared, and I told you all the other day, Bishop's staff reached out to my staff and asked, was I fasting? Because they they wanted to be hospitable if I was eating, but they didn't want to offend me if I was was eating. Because a lot of churches fast around this time of year, which is powerful and it's prophetic because it's the time where Esther would have fasted in preparation to go before King Ahasuerus. But our church has some... You see us with prayer shawls, and if you ever watch our church, you'll see some men sometimes wear kippers. We have this strong Judeo-Christian culture in our church. We have a lot of Jewish customs. Not trying to be Jewish, but our Messiah is Jewish, so we have some sentiments of it. Hallelujah. So we celebrate what we call Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. It comes in around September. And so what? We are declaring to be 2024. We say it's the Hebrew year 5784. What's powerful is both are ending in four. Like a prophetic alignment. Mm, Hallelujah. And four deals with cardinal directions. This is why I've been telling you to shout out a week because sound travels. Some of you, every time you opened up your mouth in this revival, your sound has hands.
Overseer Risha would tell you, back in the day, we were locking the church 30 days and 21 days. We would get out of class and go to the church. No jewelry, wrapped up in, in holy garments. <laughs> no wonder they thought we were a cult. <laughs> I mean, none of the college students, we, we didn't have no kids, we weren't nobody married, so we would stay in the church all night. You know, clean up in the sink and go back to school, go to church. I mean, just serious for God, just a, a hunger for God. And so that's when we started honoring the Jewish New Year, 5784. And other prophets begin to talk about this is the year of the door. And if you see that the Hebrew imagery for 5784, it is the picture of a door. And so the Bible tells us when it comes to New Testament prophecy, we sit in company of prophets, right? One prophesies and the other two judge. So we've been talking about this is the year of the door, you know, access and favor. And, but when I looked at the door, it didn't look like an open door to me. So I was like, no, it's the year of a door, but to me it looks like the year of a closed door. But nobody wants to go around the country prophesying that. Don't nobody shout off of that, and don't nobody want to give an offering to a closed door. But I had to, to say what I heard. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I thank God for Sally Port. Mm. I don't just uh, I don't just preach in conferences and conventions. I do missions. As a matter of fact, I told Bishop that's my desire at some point to come out of all of this and just do the mission field. It's really my passion. But I also preach in prisons. And if you go to a prison and preach, the Lord reminded me of the last time I was at Green Rock Correctional Facility. I had to preach. They pat you down. And after they pat you down, then you get to go in. But you got to go through a series of doors. A series of doors. And my thing is, I want to hurry up and expedite this because it makes me feel claustrophobic. So I get in the elevator, hurry up and get me to the floor, open up the door because this, this is too tight. So I'm in the prison. I want to hurry up and expedite. So when I got through this corridor, I automatically grabbed the next door and started pulling on it. And a man came over the intercom system and says, Bishop Younger, hold on, hold on. We have to buzz you in. I was like, well, hurry up. You know, hurry up. They said, no, these are Sally Port doors. The next door can't open until the last door is completely closed. for Sally Port because it was protecting me from my past coming from behind me trying to hinder me from going into my future. Somebody just step off of your road and shut the door behind you. I'm walking in my future. Come on, let's start praying. I'm walking in my future. God in the name of Jesus. God in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release my past to you. I release my weaknesses to you. I release my struggles to you. For getting those things which are behind me. And I'm reaching for the things which are before me. Oh God. Oh God. I release my past to you. I release my past to you. All of my times. 
are in your hands. Somebody in this room, you've been traumatized by something in the past. Just walk down here and lay it on the altar. I give you the body. It's been hindering my ministry. I give you the body. You know all things. Nothing is hidden from you. I give you the body. Hey, somebody watching online, just type on the screen. Lord, I give you the body. I give you permission to shut the door behind me. A relationship I haven't been able to give up. I shut the door. A relationship I haven't been able to sever ties. I give you permission to shut the door. It's a Sally Port door. The next door won't open until you give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Revival is giving it up. Revival is letting it go. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Hey, put it on the altar. I can't change the past, so I give it to you. I can't change the past, so I give it to you. Well, come on, put it on the altar. 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 The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.